Infused with the scent of potpourri Filled to commit to memory Crossing the felt ropes Watching from home on my TV Looking at all my eyes can see They tell me I view obsessively Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at obsessiveviewer.com. And if you'd like to support what we do here, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer for tons of bonus audio content, including TV and book reviews, immediate reaction movie reviews, Patreon potpourri episodes, movie commentary tracks, and much, much more. Um, uh, on the note of... Of Patreon. Now that we're heading into awards season, I'm watching a bunch of for your consideration uh, screeners for my affiliation with the Indiana Film Journalists Association. So, um, in doing that, I am for the um, second or third year in a row, I am doing uh, Patreon potpourri episodes where I just bun- bunch together four movies that I watch and give a full fledged review. Um, episode on patreon for the five dollar and ten dollar above members or five dollar and above members um so uh those are the award season ones the first one just dropped today where i reviewed um on a weird theme um i reviewed air creed 3 uh bs high and stephen curry uh underrated so check that out patreon.com slash obsessive viewer i'm your host matt hurd and you can find me on social media including letterboxd at obsessive viewer and today on the show we're going to be reviewing the new Sofia coppola uh, movie priscilla which tells the story of priscilla presley's turbulent marriage to elvis presley and is currently out in theaters and joining me today to do that is my friend and fellow podcaster kim c who's one woman stephen king podcast the year of underrated stephen king takes an academic approach to analyzing the master storyteller's lesser covered works you can find her show wherever you get your podcast and follow her on twitter slash x whatever it's called now at underrated sk pod kim welcome back to the show and thank you so much for joining me how are you doing this evening Hi, Matt. I'm so happy to see you and be here. I love all Matt Hurt podcast initiatives and Thank it's you. a real joy. I, I was feeling a little tired and then the second mm-hmm. I I get to put on my headphones and turn on the mic, I've got some pep in my step. Yes. <laughs> so. Oh, yes. I'm very excited for this episode and of course to chat with you because it's always a treat. Um, and I'm very excited for this because I think we were talking before what before recording that like this movie was not on my radar at all. You you had mes- mentioned uh, messaged me and mentioned like, hey, this is coming out, uh, you know, watch it and <laughs> please have me on. And I'm like, yeah, OK, of course, I'm never going to say no to that. So um very, very uh, excited to um, to chat with you on this because I like I know that in, in we're going to get ahead a little bit. So uh, like we'll do, I'll give you a chance to talk about the podcast and everything, but um, <laughs> like, I know that you have a lot of thoughts about Priscilla Presley and Elvis Presley. And like me, I'm just like, yeah, I went into, it, I was like, okay, I know nothing. And then I was like, oh, I know a lot now. Um, okay. So it'll be an interesting conversation. <laughs> so yeah. Oh my God. I'm so excited that yes. I, 
for those of you who don't know, I saw the film in the theater. I was so excited to go. Mm-hmm. And 15 seconds after the film ended and the credits were rolling, I'm texting Matt. Like, that's how much <laughs> I wanted to talk about this film with him uh, because I'm a huge Elvis Presley fan. Nice. But I'm also a very big Priscilla fan. And that's what okay. it's going to it's going to be amazing. Nice. <laughs> well, it's going to be a blast to talk to you about this, but I want to uh, kind of give you the floor to let our listeners know uh, more about your podcast, The Year of Underrated Stephen King. If you guys don't know what she does over there, like you, why, why not go listen to it? You should know by now, <laughs> but um, it's one of my personal favorite podcasts to just listen to and it's 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 a blast so um so yeah tell us about the show (laughs) oh i thank you dear sir so my podcast was started during covid like i think a lot of podcasts were (laughs) but i was basically a little cranky girl who wasn't getting exactly what i wanted out of the stephen king content i was hungry for deeper analysis and examining the books that i really liked for that had great writing, but everybody was talking about the big hitters, Cujo, The Stand, and they're amazing novels. But I was like, why isn't anybody talking about these shadow picks or these 90s king? And so I just went for it and started (laughs) making one woman episodes where I take King to the classroom. And Mm -hmm. that's what we've been doing for three years. And It's allowed <laughs> it's allowed me to make a ton of friends and oh, fall in love with King's writing and fall in love yeah. with the Dark Tower, more yes. importantly. Yes. I yeah. It your Dark Tower coverage has been incredible. So I can't wait for you to continue on and it's it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I'm really looking forward to rejoining Roland next year. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start Wind Through the Keyhole, which might be slightly controversial, though mm-hmm. no. Um, <laughs> and then Wolves of the Callow or Follow. I really want to do both. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm a passionate fan of King's beautiful writing. I yeah. talk about him in my classroom. So my yes. one woman show celebrates his work. And I also interview constant readers to... Yes enhance my reader's journey so i i you know no no not trying to toot my own horn but it it's not boring so (laughs) (laughs) it's it's fantastic and your constant reader uh interviews are also fantastic like it's it's really really good yeah so thank you big fan yeah um and you just recently um you interviewed the host of talking talking scared podcast um and also, you covered it uh, in a very thorough episode that I thought was just fantastic. So, so yeah. So, I highly recommend those episodes, guys. Oh, thank uh, you so much. Yeah, yeah, 2023 was a wild year in terms <laughs> yeah. of King titles. I had no plans to read, mm. zero plans to read. And then they were thrown on my lap. And I'm like, okay, this is happening. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing episodes on these books. So... It was a real uh, river rapids, uh, rough, rough rapids of wildness this year, but I don't regret a moment. It's been wonderful. And yeah, I hope to kind of incorporate a little bit more mainstream King to balance it out going Mm -hmm. forward because 
yeah, they're um, they're top contenders for a reason. They're amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. And at this point, I'm sure you're kind of running out of underrated king. <laughs> so a little bit, a yeah. little bit for sure. So that'll that'll be nice. Yeah. So, um, well, welcome to the show once again, and. Uh, I was gonna like throw out some uh, movie news and everything, but I don't know that I really have any except for kind of tied to our conversation about Stephen King, really. Um, There was not news, but like the scuttlebutt is that the long shelved um, in in limbo um, (gasps) Salem's Lot movie. Yeah, it is. According to rumor, it is going to uh, be basically unceremoniously dumped on Max um, at some point. So I just I'm like that's it's a shame. I hate that it's because it was in line to have a theatrical release and then it got moved and then it got just completely wiped off the schedule. And now it's just like, okay, we're going to throw it on streamers and like from everything that i heard it's like all just due to bottom line tax crap um and not like necessarily a reflection of the quality but i don't know i'm just excited that we'll potentially be able to see it in the near future so i don't know how do you feel about the 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 news of the new salem's lot movie oh i'm a little bummed buddy mm-hmm. um <laughs> I, I i was a little nervous when i found out it's like approximately i hope this has changed but someone said it was only 90 minutes in length oh yeah i feel like that's right i oh yeah i forgot about that i (laughs) I, like that hurt yeah (laughs) when i I found that out yeah i remember when the runtime was announced for the dark tower movie and i was trying to justify it (laughs) And then I saw it, and the justifications ended right there. <laughs> so, and, and then everything sunk to the bottom of the ocean. Yep, yep. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I am a little bit bummed, and I'm like you, uh, silver lining, thrilled that we will get a contemporary adaptation mm-hmm. readily available, and yeah. hopefully we can sift through and find some treasure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whenever, you know. whenever it comes out, you have a standing invitation to come on Obsessive Your or Tower Junkies and uh, review it with me because, Yay! yeah, we can either celebrate or weep together. <laughs> um, I love it. It's yeah. either going to be one or the other, commiserating, yes. commiserating or <laughs> yes. celebrating. Yep. I, um, yeah. So I, too, uh, I'm just shaking my head with you, buddy. Mm-hmm. It's just it at this point it's kind of it's it's not funny but it is kind of a little bit hilarious that like anytime <laughs> like I'm like at the bookstore or whatever or at Target and I just see Salem's Lot and it's the movie tie-in edition of that movie that doesn't isn't out is is not <laughs> like it's just it's that has been on the shelves at bookstores for like over a year <laughs> and oh, it's yuck. just like ugh it's it's rough so yeah. I just don't really know how that happened. Like, vampires are amazing. <laughs> oh, Salem's yeah. Lot is amazing. Yeah, what absolutely. Happened? I have no idea. I honestly think, like I said, I really do think that it is due to just like it's it's a tax write off. To well, I don't know if it, that necessarily is the case with Salem's Lot, but like 
other movies like it's been very like widely criticized that like in particular warner brothers has been like the whole like the whole batgirl thing was like they finished the movie it had post-production that it was going through but they just shelved it it'll never see the light of day and they just also canceled the um like wiley coyote versus anvil like courtroom like (laughs) comedy thing um and it's just like it's so it's so depressing that like we live in a time where people can put in work into a product into a creative endeavor and then the risk of that just never seeing the light of day is very real like that is it is yeah it's so egregious and terrible specifically because we are in an era where it is it has never been this easier for people to find and consume media like ever and like for big mega huge corporations like that to be playing with you know people's art in a way that is going to maybe uh, presumably save them you know x number of dollars at the end of the day rather than just put the product that's already been made out into the world is asinine uh yeah yeah um, real bad yep yep um but also <laughs> i wanted to ask you this i don't know if you've seen this um but did you watch pet cemetery bloodlines <laughs> i did not okay I was, this is perfect because i was actually gonna ask you about okay, it nice because i read the plot and i was like what the hell <laughs> it's <laughs> and- yeah uh, I was like, uh, I, I completely put it on the back burner because mm. I was like, I don't know what the hell's going on. This is not <laughs> a thing. This sounds like fan fiction. And yeah. I didn't know what to think about that. So uh, I'm guessing no good. It's it's bad. It's bad. It's mostly mostly the the kind of over overwhelming thought that I had was that I don't know, like, there is no one that wanted this movie. Like, I don't know, like, the movie doesn't justify a reason for it existing. Um, but more importantly, it's basically just, um, like, one of, one of the kind of anecdotes I, <laughs> like, one of the things that made me laugh through the tears of having to watch the movie was <laughs> that, like, oh, yeah, you remember how, like, how important um pet cemetery is as a story about grief and everything like now you can see um now you can see the backstory of judd crandall and then like checking notes avoiding the draft like that like that's basically like there's there's nothing that's there's nothing like important going on in that movie and there's no reason for it to exist and like it's all it's it's very muddled like David David Duchovny is featured prominently in the trailer but like he is in he's barely in it and it's it's a case where he's presented as being like maybe an antagonistic character or someone that has any kind of depth and then the movie just moves on to something else entirely and then tries to fit him in like later and it doesn't work it's very very weird it's uh, like it's it's it sucks <laughs> it really was not not good oh man yeah i'm glad i know though so i won't waste precious time <laughs> yeah it's uh i and like even 
I know that I know that the 2019 Pet Cemetery made money. Like I know that that was a I don't think critically like it did very well. I know that I didn't like it all that well, but I just don't understand how like even with the pandemic and everything delaying things, I don't understand how like now we're four almost five years later it's like oh let's let's have this like continuation or this prequel to expand the pet cemetery like world and like presumably try to make franchise a franchise out of it which i guess i mean they did the same with uh the original making sequels and everything but it's just like have something have something to tell and they don't so (laughs) i i have a real problem with this with folks (laughs) too who adapt King's work and there's such a prolific amount of stories mm-hmm. that anybody could do a dollar baby and it's like why yeah. fix why would you interpolate and fictionalize a completed work like yeah why? yeah you know? it's so it's so weird like I'm all for putting your own unique spin on something especially when taking it from one medium to the other but like if you have like like only do that if you have a passion or any kind of vision for it like don't just do it as a cash grab it's it's weird yes. and it just doesn't it doesn't come through at all it's ugh. um and and also kind of on that same note um a show that did work well enough was uh Chapelweight which was on uh, now it's called MGM Plus, I think. But was it Epics? Epics. It was on Epics, and then they changed that over. But like, like that had a whole season based on Jerusalem's Lot, the short story prequel to Salem's Lot, and the season was like ten episodes. I reviewed all of it on Patreon, so check out Patreon.com/slash Obsessive Viewer. But um, <laughs> but also like that that was that was that was interesting because it was like that kind of uh like taking taking the text taking the short story and like bringing in some of the more some other like familiar Salem's Lot aspects to it so like the original short story doesn't have vampires i don't think uh but this becomes like a period set vampire story uh for Chapelweight and like it was compelling it was good it had adrian brody which was was a kind of a big get and then also um i can't remember her name um emily hampshire i'm not sure but um like she was good in it and then then when it completed they renewed it for a season two and then a year and a half later they're like oh by the way we're not gonna do a season two like <laughs> that's canceled now so Boo. yeah so it's it's a shame but um but the first season i definitely want to check it out i want to yeah. check out Chapelway. i remember seeing previews and i was like oh my god this looks gory yeah it's <laughs> um, like in terms of the setting like that that kind of the period of it is really interesting like there's some really cool like imagery to it i think you would i think you would really like it i think Yay! i think yeah oh that's awesome so, okay that gives yeah. me hope um, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think I probably was a little too narrow minded with saying I don't like it when people just don't follow <laughs> the King rule book. No, not necessarily. But I, I think but they just you, need to have something to say. Yeah. Correct. You said it perfectly. I think you can be inspired by a King tale that already exists and really put a beautiful spin on it. Mm-hmm. 
I believe in that. I do. I just, sadly, we don't have a lot of evidence of that working. (laughs) I know. And like the evidence that we do have either gets canceled after renewed for season two (laughs) or it has two seasons on Hulu, like Castle Rock, and then it's done. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yes. Rest in peace. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That that show that could have gone on for years. I I really uh, liked it. Yeah, I was into it. Me too. And especially after, like, just recently, I read the dark half, and I was like, "This could have been like season three of Castle Rock. Like, it could have been." Uh, yeah. So sad. Yep. Sad. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but yeah, but that was that. That's a a kind of improvised Stephen King centric new news segment for the episode. So. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you for the information. Of course, of course. So are you ready, Kim, to talk Priscilla? Yes, sir. Let's do it. I was trying (laughs) to think of like a cool Elvis song lyric (laughs) too, but I failed. (laughs) Are we ready to go into the dangerous minds of (laughs) Sophia Coppola and Priscilla Presley? Um, Yes, sir. Yeah, that's the best I got. So, okay. Well, we're going to be reviewing Priscilla, which is, like I said, currently in theaters. I think it's like a kind of limited release. It's playing uh, like it's interesting. This is not interesting for anyone. But um, (laughs) a year and a half, two years, almost two years ago, I moved from the west side of Indianapolis to the north side. And uh, I in order to see Priscilla, I was I had to go to uh, one of the theaters on the west side that I used to frequent a lot and i hadn't been there in like over a year and it was nice i was like oh there's a new chicken place here that's neat (laughs) um so it was was cool um but (laughs) anyway uh we're gonna be reviewing priscilla Uh, again it's in theaters um the premise uh but by the way we're gonna be doing a non-spoiler review and then we'll transition into a spoiler review at that point i will play a clip from the trailer and uh and you can check show notes if you want to skip uh skip ahead to that or away from it what have you uh those show notes are available on whatever app you're using or you can find them at obsessiveviewer.com slash ov402 um and to bring us into the review uh the premise uh courtesy of imdb is when teenage priscilla oh i can't remember how to pronounce her name bolu Close. I think it's Bouliu. Bouliu. Okay. Uh, when teenage Priscilla Bouliu meets Elvis Presley, um, the man, <laughs> the man who is already a meteoric rock and roll superstar, becomes someone entirely unexpected in private moments. A thrilling crush, an ally in loneliness, a vulnerable best friend. The movie is written and directed by Sofia Coppola, uh, adapted from the book Elvis and Me by Priscilla Presley and Sandra Harmon, and it stars Kaylee Spaney and Jacob Elordi. Um, and yeah, so Kim, um, what were your expectations going into Priscilla? And also, did you see Baz Luhrmann's Elvis biopic from last year or the year before? I did. I okay. actually saw it several times. Oh, nice. I really liked it. I nice. really liked it. So before I talk about how I felt about Miss Coppola's film, I'm, mm-hmm. a, I'm a huge fan of Sophia's. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen all of her stuff, starting with The Virgin nice. Suicides, which I think nice. was her first film. Million I think so. But we, we got to go back really quick, even further than that, to when Kim C was 12 or 13 years old. Actually, I might have even been 11. Okay. So... 
I was always at my grandparents' house, and my grandma and grandpa had stacks and stacks of really boring Reader's Digest books, <laughs> all the classics. But I would mull through the titles all the time looking for probably romance novels. I just mm-hmm. was searching, but those were hidden in the garage, I found out later. Ah. And my grandma had a copy of Priscilla's memoir, Elvis mm-hmm. and Me. And so I grabbed it. It was red. She had lost the dust cover and there were black and white pictures inside. And Priscilla is the most gorgeous. I'm serious, guys. Please Google older pictures of Priscilla. She's stunningly beautiful. And I just loved her outfits and her hair. And I was like, oh, this looks fun. So I started reading it. And I read it pretty much every time I would go to grandma's house. Okay. So... I could honestly say I have read that memoir 20 plus times. Wow. Okay. And so when I found out that we were going to get a fresh contemporary Mm. perspective of the memoir, I flipped that. (laughs) I could have just flown and floated off the ground. Mm -hmm. I was so thrilled because this was something that I had read as a teenager preteen rather Mm -hmm. very very close to her age in the film which is 14 when she meets Elvis and so I was like this feels wild and very full circle so (laughs) couldn't wait to get to the theater and I really really loved it and I can honestly say I remember the memoir vividly like Mm -hmm. I, I Every single frame of that movie came from the memoir map. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. Because that's so rare, especially for like a memoir like that. Like that's, that's pretty, wow. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Extremely rare. So I was cheering at the end. I was just absolutely thrilled. It's amazing how it's changed as I've got older. Like I still Mm. love it. But when I was like a preteen, I thought, Priscilla was the luckiest girl on uh. God's green earth. <laughs> I was because, like, as I was reading the book, I had my headphones on my little discman listening mm-hmm. to NSYNC. Oh wow! And <laughs> I had notebooks with Jonathan Taylor Thomas and Devon Sawa. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to my millennials out there who yeah. know these guys. <laughs> you know, I had them scotch tape into my little journal. And was reading about the luckiest girl I had ever heard of who (laughs) was chosen by the biggest star on earth and just made into a larger than life iconic beauty. And I... I thought she was so lucky. And then as I got older, (laughs) I was like, I don't know about that. (laughs) I I have a much larger frame to look at Mm -hmm. things in. And we got some problems, Matt. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's what's kind of interesting to me is like I literally – like. I, I came at it from a completely different angle. Like I I I had no foreknowledge about the relationship between Priscilla and Elvis. Um I know I know Elvis. Like I know <laughs> like songs and everything. Um I wanna say I don't I I think that this is accurate, but um for for obsessive viewer historians, um, back in the day, we used to host yearly a uh, a um, 
uh, one night event screening for short horror films from local filmmakers called Sharktober in Irvington. Uh, we did that for a few years, uh, had a blast, raised money for the Irvington Historical Society. Um, a lot of fun, a lot of work, but a lot of fun. But the first venue that we had was, uh, the Irving Theater. We, we did it there three years, I think. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, the stage of the Irving Theater is like, Part of it is made from like the uh like floor of um Mar- Market Square Arena, which was the uh the venue here in Indianapolis where I believe Elvis Presley played his last show. Um yeah, so um I've stood on the stage with Elvis. Um <laughs> holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a big that's, deal. Yeah. <laughs> So, so that's, that's the little, um, obsessive viewer history lesson for, uh, OV historians, but, uh, but yeah, but yeah, anyway, I had no foreknowledge of the relationship. I had no idea. Like Sofia Coppola as a filmmaker is someone whose work I have admired, but I admit I have several blind spots and I wasn't really that big a fan of, uh, on the rocks, I think from 2020, I, was that her last movie? I think, um, Good question. I yeah. think I've missed a couple in the last okay. few years because the last one I saw was, I think it was the Dakota Fanning or Elle Fanning and it was with okay. Stephen Dorff and they're a father-daughter and he's a rock star oh. and I forget what that's called. Sorry, I did not do my homework on, <laughs> on, her, on her film catalog other than the ones I really liked, which is Marie Antoinette. Shout out to my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um but it, yeah, Stephen Dorff and Elle Fanning and it's father daughter. It's really touching and cute. That's the mm. last one. I, so I think I might okay. be missing a few in her catalog. Okay. Interesting. Yes. So in her most recent uh, feature length film was on the rocks in 2020, which is available, I believe on Apple TV plus. And I'm trying to find the movie. Was that somewhere? Maybe. <laughs> That sounds like it. Yep. Okay, yeah, it was somewhere. Um, yeah, which is one of the blind spots I have, so I haven't seen <laughs> it. Uh, but I'll have to definitely check it out. Yeah. I really love her stuff, but I think, and I know this is kind of a hot take, but I really, I think others have said it. So it's not just me being uh, sort of gendered about it, but I mm. really believe Sophia is a very feminine filmmaker. Okay, I think she captures feminine spaces and women very very well there are Mm -hmm. lots of women and their intimacy and their inner worlds on really strong display in her films Mm -hmm. and i don't know i i feel i I associate sofia coppola with like a very feminine presence I don't know. I don't know. I think it's legit. I totally get that. Yeah. Even with like, and I mean, like granted on the rocks is the most recent one that I've seen. And even that was a few years ago. So it's not fresh in my mind, but like that movie's about, um, if I'm not mistaken, it's about Rashida Jones and Bill Murray. They're an estranged father and daughter. And it's her kind of reckoning with her father's philandering and his, like what he did to the family dynamic, like, like that kind of disrupted everything, I think. But, 
but yeah, uh, heavy topics. <laughs> and uh, I'll have to rewatch that. I, I need to revisit a lot of her stuff. But yeah, yeah. Marie Antoinette is my favorite. That mm-hmm. is like a bop. It is so nice. great and lush. Um, Virgin Suicides has the best movie soundtrack ever. Nice. It's um, from the French band Air. So, so okay. good. Um, there's, yeah, there's a couple. Lost in Translation, I think, is pretty classic. Yeah. Uh, really good. But yeah, I was so thrilled she got her hands on this. Mm-hmm. And I'm so, so proud of what she did. I was home run. Yeah, I was really impressed with it. Um, I ended up uh, liking it quite a bit. And it's just in in terms of the the way that the movie just depicts the central relationship, it is so like cold and isolated. And I don't know if this is I don't know if this is the intended read of it. But like, uh, Elvis doesn't seem like a good dude um, in this movie. <laughs> and and like throughout the movie, like I, I kept in and, and this is not to bring it back to Stephen King, but and this is a tangential thing. But like it reminded me so much. I don't know if you saw the movie Spencer from a few years ago with I Kristen did. Stewart. Yeah. I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, directed by that was freaky. Oh yeah, it was great, and it was directed by Pablo Lorraine, who went on to do uh, Lucy's <gasps> story. Story, yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good connection. Yeah, I yeah. So this movie reminded me quite a bit of Spencer because I mean, it's it's the central character is a is a woman who is in the uh, in a very public uh, relationship in a very public arena. And feelings of isolation, loneliness, and just a desperate eventual need to escape, basically. And in that respect, Priscilla is very similar to Spencer. And I think that there's a lot that Sofia Coppola brings to the table in this that I found were like some really interesting choices. In particular, like it is it is a period movie obviously because it takes place through like the 50s and 60s and upwards of the 70s i think yeah um but like as immaculate as the set decoration as immaculate as like like it is very richly detailed like the color scheme the color palette of it is so muted and it just feels like so isolating and cold and i'm just like that's 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 a metaphor for her experience. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it, I was just like, this is so, cause like, I, like I, I was watching it and I was like thinking that like, wow, it's just every, every color is so like diluted and, and everything. Even when there's like a hot pink car, it, that's like taking over the whole frame. And it's like, it's, you can barely see the color. And I'm just like, I, I was very impressed. Cause like when you do something like that, it's like, I don't know, a lesser hand would make it a boring experience, but it was really engaging. I really liked it. So, yeah. I am so glad, Matt, because I was so <laughs> scared that you might hate it. I mean, it would have been fine if you did hate it. <laughs> but the, I, I did feel like this film is very much like a young girl's diary and a young mm-hmm. girl's kind of experience with what happens when you're chosen by the biggest pop star in the world to be his little princess doll wife mm-hmm. and it doesn't really turn out that great. Yeah. <laughs> and it it's not necessarily a 
terrible tragedy of a film, mm-hmm. but it's a quiet observation. And yeah. what I love about the movie so much, and I'm so glad you brought up Baz Luhrmann's film from last mm-hmm. year. Baz Luhrmann's film is electrifying. It is so good because it shows Elvis, the artist and the musician and the performer, mm-hmm. which he is iconically great. Like yeah. nobody had sang like that nobody had danced like that and it all comes from black culture so we were Mm -hmm. finally able to like marry the two together Mm -hmm. and yeah he was just such an influential and also very tragic because he was poorly managed by the Mm -hmm. colonel and but what priscilla is is it's her perspective the whole time and i don't think that sits well with a lot of (laughs) with diehard Elvis fans which there are a lot yeah (laughs) uh, yeah um but I I love this beautiful telling of the memoir because you kind of see this young woman oh my and she's so young Mm -hmm. sadly she just she was chosen by Elvis because of her purity and her beauty. And I do think that they had some sort of connection there because she listened to him mm-hmm. and she also wasn't old enough to have a personality yet, like to mm-hmm. have an identity yet. So she just doted on him and served mm-hmm. him like a little paper doll. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what he wanted. Yeah. And so one thing that I'll say really quick about the memoir, which I want you mm-hmm. to keep in your mind's eye, Elvis was the biggest mama's boy ever, like uh. on earth. So here's the kind of gross thing. His <laughs> his mom, Gladys, passed away very prematurely. And she always told Elvis that he needed to marry a virgin. Oh, interesting. Yes. Okay. She, she was very traditional and very old school, as saying like, you can mess around with whoever you want, but you better make sure that you marry a virgin. <laughs> And so he really took that to heart. He wanted someone his mother would approve of and that his Uh mother would like. So Priscilla is 14 when they meet. He is 24. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some some critics of the film are saying that it's grooming and it's like, yes, a little bit. (laughs) Um, Because he was really, I mean, granted, they weren't married until Mm -hmm. they met in 1960. Pardon me. They met in 1959 and they wouldn't marry until 1967. Yeah. Yeah. 1967. So it was an eight year courtship. Mm -hmm. So she would have um, been definitely older by the at least 20 by the time they got married. But um, yeah. yeah. So. He wanted a virgin. He mm-hmm. wanted a pure servant <laughs> who <laughs> would answer every phone call, be at his beck and call, never ask questions, look beautiful on his arm. He just wanted a trophy wife, mm-hmm. a virgin trophy wife. And he is a god, so mm-hmm. why wouldn't he be able to have that? Right. <laughs> That is that's that's really interesting context. I feel like the 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 movie I, it doesn't really say much about his mother, but I think there is like a one or two lines about about her. Um but the that was kind of my big hang up with the movie was that it did to me feel like grooming as someone on the outside of it all. Um but like it also like it it did feel like 
it felt very inappropriate to me. Um, and like, uh, I, not to go on a tangent, I, I hinted at this off, off mic, but, uh, <laughs> I had, uh, I've been, I've been promoting the show on TikTok and Patreon and everything. So I did an immediate reaction recording for Priscilla on the way back I from the it. theater. And I posted a clip of that on Patreon and then, uh, Jess, who I'm still friends with, uh, commented, uh, and just said like a, a very sarcastic, uh, cause she like very sarcastic, like Elvis is canceled. Um, <laughs> and oh boy, that, that caught some, uh, that caught some people, um, <laughs> to, oh, it was, I believe it, Matt. Yeah. I believe it. They are crazy. Yeah. They- it's... They refuse to believe Priscilla's perspective. Mm-hmm. It's a real thing. They refuse to accept her side. Mm-hmm. They they think she's lying. They think that Elvis has done no wrong, that he was an angel among all humans. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's like bad. it's it turned into a whole thing. And I'm like, I <laughs> so like so like here's the thing like i i i have long said and i will i will i will scream this as long as i have a platform that i think and i say this as someone who has devoted a significant portion of his time to uh creating a stephen king podcast the concept of fandom and taking like like centering a specific person be it artist public figure whomever um centering them making them the cornerstone of like your entire personality is incredibly unhealthy Mm -hmm. and it leads to some insane internet interactions (laughs) so like for instance like years ago like a few years ago i had made some comment like i i had tweeted something about michael jackson and how i had heard something on a podcast and i had mentioned something like that's kind of a bad take because it was like something kind of in defense and i had just watched finding neverland or whatever and i was like oh you know this person is maybe maybe wrong about this and this podcast and like the flood of people that are like just regurgitating like all of the like oh well this is this and this is that like you're misinformed here's this documentary that is very sketchy on like Amazon Prime and uh, like it's just it, it's like this weird um online not bullying necessarily but like it's this online like uh like uh like dog pile of things that it's like it's just like if you say the if you say one thing groups of people will come in and descend on it so i had posted the clip on patreon and like jess had said elvis is canceled and someone had someone with with the username something like uh something like something like presley fam or something <laughs> had said and this is going to be some interesting language <laughs> and i don't know i okay so they had said um <laughs> in 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 the clip i had said that it is um an inappropriate relationship from the way that it's painted in the movie 
And so this person's response to Jess saying Elvis is canceled was Priscilla let Scientology drug her kids. Then, (laughs) (laughs) then, yeah. And then this is where it gets very like, uh, then (laughs) let her boyfriend molest her 11 year old daughter, but you people love her. And it's like, Wow. Jess and I don't care one way or the other about Priscilla, first of all. But uh and then Jess kind of poked the bear a little bit and res- Love <laughs> responded with a sarcastic Exactly. She slays Queen. <laughs> God bless Jess. That's awesome. <laughs> I got such a kick out of that. And uh and then uh the person responded so uh input so you're okay that she let her boyfriend molest her 11-year-old um and then like because of the TikTok algorithm and everything and like this person was like putting asterisks asterisks um in the in the word so it's like so instead of molest it's m uh, uh, m asterisk mm-hmm um asterisk uh last and then jess was just like sorry the word you're using isn't showing up like what is it <laughs> oh, um, I love it. yeah but it was it was really entertaining but like that's the thing where like and if you go to this person's tiktok they eventually like like video replied to jess and said like this is what she said when uh this is what a this is what a priscilla fan said when i when i brought this up and everything this just shows what they what they're really like and then she had commented wow. and yeah and jess had commented and been like i don't care <laughs> like it's it was sarcasm like it's not whatever and then like i guess like it devolved into a whole conversation i haven't read the the comments on there but jess had told me that she like they like people uh kept replying and saying like well you know if like trying because jess had brought up well what about the whole like she was 14 when they met and he was 24 and they were like well you know if you met like an 80 year old and um a oh my god math is hard i should have gone the other way an 80 year old (laughs) and a uh, 10 years so 80 year old and 90 year old um yeah, wow math is hard um so like you wouldn't you wouldn't look that you wouldn't look twice at that it's like yeah their brains are developed at that point like it's not anyway. they're a consenting adult yes yes so all oh that's God. to say fandom is weird don't create an entire personality like don't don't make your personality your your fandom of something and i say that as someone wearing a shirt that says ka on it yay and i have a an overlook hotel thing oh, I love <laughs> behind it. me well you'll love this matt since mm-hmm. we're we're in the same business serving mm-hmm. the king yes i actually got my first dose of that oh interesting uh, okay yes. So I just did an episode on my impressions of it from nine years ago and mm-hmm. my recent reread of it. The and- notoriously un uncontroversial it novel. <laughs> <laughs> right? Free of any controversy. Um, and so I, I have a segment where I talk about Beverly Marsh and I really like Beverly, mm-hmm. but I, I kind of get stuck on Beverly because I my personality type is for anybody who's like an Enneagram person, I'm an Enneagram nine. And what nines do, and not to get too much on this soapbox, but <laughs> 
we get stuck listening to both sides. Okay. And so I'm consistently looking at both sides all the time, all the time, all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I like Beverly a lot. But then I also see this other side where I think she's kind of underdeveloped. And I mm-hmm. I don't feel she's given as much character meat as some of the boys. And mm-hmm. therefore, I'm like, she's kind of more symbolic for me. Anyway, so I got, oh, my God, Matt. The the Beverly worshippers came from from my throat. Wow. Yeah. Like they were convinced that, well, they gave me some data because I said, you know, why does Beverly like textiles? Like, do we know? And, and yeah, I definitely got some passionate people. Oh, no. (laughs) And like, it's hard to read tone in a text, as you know. So Mm -hmm. I also got some emails where they were like, it's clearly here. I was like, wow, copy that. Thank you for pointing (laughs) that out. Greatly appreciated. Wow. Well, in your rant against Beverly. (laughs) No, ma'am. It was not a rant rant at all. I'm allowed to analyze in a way. Yeah. And so I had that happen that I was shook. (laughs) So that is, that is, that is something else. Cause like, cause like (laughs) having just listened to that episode that you did, like you approach the Beverly situation overall with such care and clear admiration for the character. Like you, you, speak very highly of her and like it's just it's it's weird that people (laughs) will kind of take offense at something that yeah Yeah. like that is partially why i have never and will well uh, i will never say anything good or bad about taylor swift because i don't want to disappear from the world Um, (laughs) (laughs) yes i always say and i deeply mean it i am not a swifty however mm-hmm. i think she's a fantastic songwriter oh yeah and very very talented and then yeah. that's all i'll say and i stay alive so. yeah oh absolutely <laughs> absolutely i uh not I, I won't say who this is but someone <laughs> that i know is uh very much not a taylor swift fan so occasionally i will just i will just uh <laughs> <laughs> we'll troll her and Let say, it out. yeah, well, I I will say like, like I, I will just random at random intervals say like, so do you think, do you think the, the, the wedding will be like reputation themed or <laughs> like midnights uh, when she and Travis finally get married? Like, do you think that? <laughs> um, that uh, so clever. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I don't know why anyone ever talks to me, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I chuckled. I thought that was great. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, there's some passionate people out there. Yeah. It's wow. And I mean, don't even think about speaking ill about Beverly ever, Matt. Just don't do it, ever. (laughs) Even though I feel I didn't, it was still too close for some Mm. Beverly fans out there. So I'm like, ooh, I don't want to touch that hot pan again. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I feel ya, and Mm. the Memphis Mafia. (laughs) I love that. Nice. Yeah, it's a real thing. Jeez. the Elvis devotees are very dangerous. Yeah. And I Ooh. I will not take uh them for granted. I yeah. <laughs> I believe 
in their intense devotion to Elvis. And, yeah. and like, that's the thing. I love Elvis. I'm a right. fan. I am a fan, Matt. Like I listen to him a lot. Like mm-hmm. I, uh, on the weekends, uh, spend way too much money on uh, vintage clothes. Mm-hmm. I have dresses from the fifties. <laughs> I, I go all out. I'm nice. a fan, but this was her perspective. And I just find it very sad mm-hmm. That people will not entertain the fact that Elvis was a flawed human being in his intimate life. And I mm-hmm. do believe, like Sofia Coppola put it this way, and I thought it was fantastic. Elvis and Priscilla became American royalty. Mm-hmm. Like they really are yeah. kind of like when you think about iconic Americana, it's mm-hmm. Elvis and Priscilla. But this is a glimpse into that intimate world where. Yeah. I think there's a lovely balance of the the nice Elvis, mm-hmm. but but somebody who was very misguided and yeah. just was so afraid of letting a woman in any way become a whole person. Yeah, that it it is a very interesting balance that the that the movie strikes with that. And also, I'm I'm like in my head right now when I introed the episode, when I introed us to this. Did I say I said suspicious minds? I didn't say dangerous minds, did I? You did say dangerous, Damn. but I think I think you meant suspicious. I did. I, knew I did exactly what you meant. It I did. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, so yeah. So if you've already sent a, an angry email at me, please, um, <laughs> I'm aware. So yeah, like in my head, I'm like thinking about that. I'm like, I said that with full confidence. (laughs) (laughs) I knew exactly what you meant. I loved it. I love. I love that you caught it. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I do that too. (laughs) (laughs) And I am way too lazy to go fix it or anything. So all of this is staying in. But um, but yeah. So uh, so yeah. So the. the other kind of thing I wanted to talk about with the movie in particular was in relation to the Baz Luhrmann movie. I think like I, so I, I, I maybe wasn't too crazy about the Baz Luhrmann movie, but mostly because I, I just automatically have like an intense allergic reaction to music biopics. (laughs) Okay. I just, that is a, that is a genre of movie where I feel like even, even in situations where someone is doing something wholly unique with it, like Baz Luhrmann did, like whoever directed rocket man, uh, the Elton John one. Um, even when they bring to the table something wholly unique to the genre, I still just feel like it's still a music biopic. It's still the same, the same thing. Like I like walk hard. The Dewey Cox story ruined music biopics because that movie was incredible at deconstructing it and satirizing it. Um, but the thing I, I kind of found myself thinking about with in, in, uh, in the, uh, after leaving Priscilla was that it's interesting that we have these two, two movies coming out, like, like back to back, essentially, um, completely different people involved and everything, but we have Elvis, which is fairly straightforward music biopic, but in with all the Boz Lerman flash and everything. But the interesting thing about that is that it is from the perspective of the Colonel, and here we have Elvis, who 
obviously is a larger than life character and a larger than life like presence in the world and the perspective is from priscilla and it's just interesting that we have these two movies that explore this same you know entity this pop culture just juggernaut but it's from perspectives that aren't like his per per se um obviously it's much more prevalent in priscilla because it is priscilla's movie but um i just found it interesting i don't know how do you feel about that (laughs) that's a great point to make actually Mm -hmm. i never thought about it that way but you're you're absolutely right and i i think it's because one thing when you read a lot about elvis or when you watch his performances and or reading priscilla's memoir Mm -hmm. He was really interesting. He, I mean, lots of flaws, but he's very spiritual, but Mm -hmm. like all kinds of stuff like um, Hinduism and a lot of Eastern Mm -hmm. philosophy. And this guy is like a country bumpkin from the South. Yeah. And he really, yeah, he experimented with drugs, which we Mm -hmm. do see a little bit in the film. And he was, I I really feel like there was a kind of an academic inside of him. He was a voracious reader. He was constantly seeking and questioning and wanting to learn. But his performing career, or rather his his money-making career, where the colonel just slapped him into these idiotic films Mm -hmm. again and again and again, he couldn't, he didn't have the time or energy to really know who he was, which was much more of a thinker and a seeker outside of being a musician. Okay. And so, yeah, there's a lot of depth there. There's some really cool Hmm. documentaries that Bruce Springsteen's a part of that I think it's called like Elvis the Seeker. I think it's on Max. Like, it's really, really good. I recommend he just, and he had an addictive personality, like anything that was fun he would just buy 10 of it. If mm-hmm. he liked a horse, all of a sudden there's a ranch at Graceland. <laughs> if he liked little race cars, okay, the next day there's 40 race cars. Wow. Um, he was extremely generous and loving. Like if someone was having a bad day, the next day he bought them a car. Oh, wow. Like, yeah, like he was just a big, big, big personality that wanted to make people happy, wanted to have a good time. And one thing that I love about the film is, as you know, all the scenes at Graceland, there's like 40 people at that house mm-hmm. at all times. Like he was never by himself. He was probably a very self-critical individual all the time. Mm-hmm. And so he always needed a hype group. He always okay. needed hype men, people to just surround him. And of course they were sycophantic and of course yeah. they're like absolutely abusing and <laughs> uh, his resources, of course. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, that was the life. I just am blown away by the life that Priscilla had to just uh, allow to be her normal life, which yeah. was 40 people in her house at all times becoming a vampire, mm-hmm. Matt. Like she never saw daylight until after she she was forced to graduate high school, which she cheated in order mm-hmm. to graduate. Yeah. <laughs> she, yeah, she Elvis slept all day because he partied all night and right. he would wake up at four, five o'clock at night. He would wake up and have steak and eggs and Jeez. a pound of bacon and That's peanut right. butter yeah. and banana and bacon sandwiches i forgot about that (laughs) jesus yeah every every single day and then he's taking uppers he's taking Mm -hmm. downers he's taking quaaludes he's just wow and meanwhile he's making movies he's trying Mm -hmm. to sing he's he is just like level 11 Mm -hmm. every single day 
every single day. Yeah. And he's cheating on her, by the way. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, to, yeah. to kind of wrap that all up, I really went wild there. Um, <laughs> That's great. That's it's I, fantastic. Elvis is fascinating. He mm-hmm. is so fascinating. And some people want to put him in their own box and, mm-hmm. and only see Elvis the performer. They yeah. only want to see the the guy who gave through his music and the guy who loved his family. And that's what they want to see. Yeah. Where Whereas other perspectives show like Priscilla's p- p- point of view where, yeah. hi, um, for example, after she gave birth to Lisa Marie, he mm. like didn't want to have sex with her anymore. Matt, it yeah. was sad. It was really Jeez. sad. And she got pregnant with Lisa Marie the very first time they had sex. Oh God. The very first time Jesus. you imagine. Yeah. Oh my so God. They didn't even really get to have like a sexual life together mm. because he just denied 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 and then she gets pregnant and then he sees her as the mother rather than her wife yeah. and it's so tragic but Jeez. i just wish that you diehard elvis fans would realize you can still love him and yeah. love his music but you can allow alternative perspectives mm-hmm. into your worldview it- Absolutely. And that's that's kind of what I'm getting at in terms of like fandom and everything, because like people like there's no problem like like I don't know. No one is no one can be like Stephen King, which is to say that no one can have absolutely flawless everything like Stephen King is a god amongst men. Um, but <laughs> Plus one. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I, to, like and I, I, obviously I'm being facetious, but, um, like I just, I, there is, and I think maybe it's just, there's a disconnect not to get back into the whole like fandom thing or whatever, but there is a disconnect from like people who are like, like there's nothing wrong with being a fan of something and being someone who derives pleasure from something like artistic or or any type of art or artist or anything there is absolutely nothing wrong with that and i think the disconnect comes from people like us who we in our free time we we are actively looking at art in a critical way or in an analytical way and because of that we are able to separate the you, i don't know compartmentalize thing not not compartmentalize but basically just you know see see the good and bad and while for other people like they like it's it's inherently okay for people to want to see just the good because that's what they derive their pleasure from as long as they're not doing that for like monsters um (laughs) like but i don't know taking a critical look at at people and and things is is what I've based my entire personality around rather than a single person, a person or artist. So I don't know, but, um, but yeah, but to, but to get back to the movie and everything, the, I do think that there is a very, a very, uh, respectful way that the, that the movie approaches the both, like the both sides of it all, like the, Oh yeah. There, there is complex, like there is complexity to it. So like, I mean, we see like him giving her pills and her being asleep for two days and everything. And when she's 14 and like her, like her moving to Graceland when she's 
a kid separating her from her family and everything that is that like throughout the movie i'm like yeah he's kind of grooming her he's like this is predatory behavior this is textbook but then you also see like he has like not necessarily i I wouldn't like i guess tender moments like like moments where you he's not depicted as a a monster by any stretch like the scene where they see a movie in there and he's talking about how he wants to be like an actor like marlon brando and and james dean and he wants to explore that side of himself and then you see him reading the scripts and saying like yeah the colonel's throwing me trash and like i can't do anything with it or whatever it's just there is there is complexity here that I think is really interesting in terms of presenting a multifaceted character in Elvis who at, at he is a larger than life person just in this world and in the world of the movie um but also not compromising Priscilla's uh perspective on things and her experience and making it mostly about her and then having the context of of who Elvis is as a person. I don't know. I just think there's just a really interesting balance uh struck in the movie um between the two. So Oh, beautifully yeah. said. Thank you. I, I'm so glad you noticed that. Mm-hmm. Cause I thought the same thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is not a Elvis demonization session. Yeah. This is showing hey there's this but then there's also this warmth and this tenderness and this good guy under there you can see why someone would definitely fall in love with him and you know i i think you absolutely hit it on the head with sometimes it's a challenge to embrace the good and the bad Mm -hmm. because when I was getting ready to see the film, I've got like a a phone tree with a bunch mm-hmm. of gals in my life. And I'm like, all right, who's coming with me to see Priscilla? <laughs> and my friend Liz, who's who's a real big Elvis fan. Mm-hmm. Like we're all we're all very similar. She's like, I can't. And I was like, why? <laughs> why not? I mean, just get a babysitter for the kids. Let's go. And she's she's like, No, 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 I can't. I, I want Elvis in my mind a certain way. And I uh. was like, <laughs> that that explained it mm-hmm. that explained it, and i couldn't say anything <laughs> and i tried to like wiggle in there and i was like mm-hmm. you know i think it's gonna kind of show priscilla's isolation when he was mm-hmm. away filming like i don't think it'll be that bad but she's like no i just i just want elvis <laughs> the way <laughs> that i want him and i i just had to like let it go and respect that I often feel, Matt, like I think not to say that you and I are enlightened creatures, which we are, but <laughs> I, I think it is somewhat of a challenge to watch something. Like if we were to see a film that bashed Stephen King, I know mm-hmm. that we would get our feathers up about it. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that we would also be very, very objective. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it's even kind of not happened but like like when when sleeping beauties came out and he and owen king were on like good morning america or something and he said something like yeah the book's about like what happens if all women fall asleep and can't wake up or whatever like what happens to the laundry and stuff and like people were like oh my god he's misogynistic it's like (laughs) no he's like 73 (laughs) like it's not like it's it's a bonehead thing to say and like but i'm still gonna read everything he writes (laughs) like it's not oh my god he's not a misogynist no it was was a joke people (laughs) (laughs) 
But I tell you, yeah, <laughs> I, I just think that sometimes it's the more challenging thing to do to embrace both sides. Mm-hmm. And I, I saw that with my friend Liz. She refused to go with me, Matt, because <laughs> she just put her foot down. Mm-hmm. She's like, I am not seeing an Elvis, <laughs> that, an Elvis film that remotely shows him in a bad light. And I was like, wow. And I think that's a thing. Sadly, yeah. that is a thing. Yeah. People want to hold on to that fantasy tight, tight, tight. Yeah. And again, I can't fault them for that, honestly. Because like, because at the end of the day, art and, you know, the things that people watch and and enjoy are comfort. Like their comfort media, their comfort things. And like, like I said, as long as, I don't know, it's, it's tricky. It's tricky. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, but at it. least Stephen King is <laughs> at least Stephen King is perfect and infallible. He um, is. But <laughs> you can really do no wrong. Even yeah. as I'm talking about like an 11 year old gang, gang <laughs> yes. I'm like, you know, it's fine. Right? It's fine. It's totally fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I, I respect the creative choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then, meanwhile, on any other planet, on, <laughs> I would absolutely punch yes. myself in my own face. Yeah, but I, I can't. Yeah, <laughs> when it comes to King, so oh, I yeah. get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, do you want to go into? Spo- Is there anything to spoil in this movie? Uh oh! Great question. Mm. I would say. Maybe the end. Yeah. I kind of I like how it ends. Mm-hmm. I thought that was beautiful. So yeah, I think okay. maybe the ending might be spoilery. Okay, yeah. Let's go into spoilers. Although real quick, uh in non-spoiler, um since since you are fascinated by Elvis and 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 know a lot more than I do. <laughs> um something like when talking about his um his aspirations for performing like on screen, do you, I, and I don't know if you've seen like his movies or anything or his acting chops, but do you think that he would have had a shot at being like a respected, like well, like good actor, like like a Brando or James Dean? Do you think he had that in him or was that like a pipe dream for him? This is an amazing question, Matt. So I anybody out there who has never, ever seen an Elvis film, all of the critics agree that Elvis's best film was King Creole. Like okay. that is – it's a black and white one. That's where I think Jailhouse Rock – no, I take that back. Never mind. That uh, Jailhouse Rock was the when Jailhouse Rock was uh, the song. But anyway, <laughs> um, I'm getting it. But no, King Creole was a drama and Elvis worked really hard and – Everything after that became like a connect the dots, boy, girl, beach blanket, bingo kind yeah. of silly, silly rom-com. My favorite junk food uh, Elvis movie <laughs> is called Frankie and Johnny. It's awesomely bad, but that's okay. my favorite. That's Kim Z's favorite. Um <laughs> But King Creole, he really does show some range. Okay. And it's pretty impressive. And that was his favorite movie that he ever did, King oh. Creole. And so I think that, yes, actually, okay. I, I do. However, I when I say that, although I think he could have gone the distance, I really feel that Elvis's 
heart was music. Oh, I yeah. really I really do feel like he wouldn't have had the devotion or the intensity to pursue it as ardently as he would have done music because music like he was trying new genres he was experimenting with new sounds Mm -hmm. songwriters like he came alive with music and i feel personally just my own opinion that he was his soul was moved more by music Mm -hmm. so i do feel he probably could have had maybe one or two strong dramatic roles that would have really surprised critics. They would have been like, wow, like, wow, what a talent. But I don't feel he could have ever been a Brando because Brando, I think it was born with it Mm -hmm. and he, he owned it every single moment of every single day. Brando just is yeah, like, like he's just that he is the, the acting. He is the role. And, I don't know if Elvis had that. Okay. Interesting. I just had a suspicious mind about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so good. Well, we, so, we can go on together, Matt, with suspicious minds. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> okay. Well, shall we go on to spoilers for Priscilla? Um, Let's do it. All right. So we're going to spoil Priscilla after this clip from the trailer. Um, Check the show notes for timestamps, all that stuff. Here's a clip from the trailer for Priscilla. We will be spoiling it when we uh, come back from that. One of the kids must need to these days. Bobby, Darren, Fabian, and you. (laughs) Just what is the intent here, Mr. Presley? You got women throwing themselves at you. Why my daughter? Well, sir, I happen to be very fond of your daughter. much more mature than her age all right so spoilers on for priscilla and kim i we didn't talk really about the performances at all (laughs) we didn't we should (laughs) they were awesome they were amazing uh kaylee spaney i'm probably mispronouncing that she was phenomenal um i have only seen her in one thing and that was the alex garland uh fx sci-fi miniseries with um oh god uh with with ron swanson uh i can't remember his name <laughs> i can't i'm blinking on his name anyway um uh, yeah uh nick offerman there you go uh called devs and she she played kind of an androgynous um uh character uh, in in she was phenomenal in that, but this is such a nuanced performance. It is such a just like it. She carries it and and does an incredible job with it. Um, so yeah. So what did you think of the performances? Oh, I loved them. I felt casting was at first like with Jacob Alordi. I was like, oh, I don't know about this. Um, <laughs> He is very tall. He's mm. six five, and Elvis was only six foot. And so I've mm. read a couple complaints that are like, "They're way too tall." He's way too tall, and <laughs> they look awkward together. And I'm just like, "Shut up, everybody! Just use your imagination." <laughs> but um, I saw Jacob Elordi in uh, Euphoria, which oh, uh, yeah, I tiny, still need to see that. Yeah, Tiny got me hooked on that. Yep. Tiny, Tiny was like, "You got to watch it. It's effed <laughs> up, it's crazy. I love it." And I, I did. So. Um, He's in that and his character is knocking futz, Matt. Like mm-hmm. he is nutballs. Nice. So I was thinking of that Euphoria character when I was like, I was like, this is doomed. This is not going to work. <laughs> um, 
But then, oh my God, Matt, his voice, his voice, holy fudge. I was freaking out as to how perfect his voice was. It was so convincing. The Southern drawl, the really sort of sexy slur. I was Mm -hmm. like, this is perfection. And then, like you said, um, Kaylee's performance is very nuanced because Mm -hmm. she has to be Priscilla at several ages. Yes. And yeah. It's fascinating because she's very young at 14, but quiet and unsure. And then she's got to kind of blossom a little bit, albeit slowly, mm. very slow, calculated blossoming. Yeah. You know, she's just got this tiny little breathy mouse voice, mm-hmm. but she's got this ginormous hair and this black <laughs> eyeliner, and she's just this trophy. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, I think the performances are incredible. Oh, ab- absolutely. And there, there is so much responsibility laid at her feet in particular like you said so many different ages she has to do like she in in for the most part like throughout most of the movie she is all she's pretty isolated in like a way like there are scenes with her and elvis but like for the most part she is kind of alone throughout most of the movie and something i found i found really interesting was that um the way that Elvis is absent throughout most of the marriage and everything and the way that that's painted is really interesting. And it kind of hits the kind of like it's, it's, it is hammered home by the way that, that she like just leaves him. And it's, it's like, it's like a, it's something that has clearly been bubbling up and everything, but it's like, it is, not like a split second thing, but it's like a, it's a cut and dry thing. And then she leaves and like, she is like very sad when interacting with like, uh, with like the people that she knows in, in Graceland, like the people that she has actually had like a, a healthy relationship with. Um, I thought that that was just a really nice, like kind of subtle, um, nah, uh, kind of over, but <laughs> like just a a very nice, like just just subtextual thing that I really liked about it. Oh, beautiful! At the end of the film, I when the credits were rolling, I was kind of thinking about it, and I thought Priscilla is the definition of love is not enough. Oh yeah, like you could. It's just such a powerful final scene where she's driving out of Graceland. She's mm-hmm. driving the car. And it's such a metaphor for her taking over her own life because that's exactly what she does. She she's and Elvis is like, you're leaving me for another man, because he's just very, very black right. and white about yeah. it. Like <laughs> and she's like, no, actually, mm-hmm. like I, I'm leaving you for myself. And yeah. it's like the best thing, but also the hardest thing ever, because there were several articles kind of inquiring into Priscilla's life after Elvis. And she did have, I think, a child with somebody else, but she never married again. Oh, wow. And, yeah, she never married again. And and Elvis and her were kind of close and they were good friends up until he passed away. And then mm-hmm. she, of course, inherited the, or Lisa Marie inherited the Elvis estate, but she got a huge cut. She'll mm-hmm. never, her, <laughs> her children's 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 children will never have to work a day in their lives. Um, but she, she said that Elvis was like the only man she could have ever married. Mm-hmm. Like there was nobody else who could ever 
be as bright, like shine as brilliantly as he did. I get Mm -hmm. it. Like you can't come back down from Mount Olympus to the farm and say, oh yeah, I'll just marry Joe Schmo. No thanks. I've, I've been, I've been with a God. I I really (laughs) have been with a God among men, but I, I, she realized that she will love Elvis. Like everybody loves Elvis. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves Elvis and she loves him, loves him, loves him. But she's like, I am, I am not, who am I? I am nothing and no one because yeah. I've given everything to you. Mm-hmm. You have everything and it's not enough. You're, yeah. it's not enough. Loving you is not enough. Mm-hmm. I actually need my own life. And I love that. Sophia shows her kind of finding that at the end in the early 70s. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's really, uh, it kind of has this empowering feel to it for, for her. And it's something that, it, it, the kind of big kind of picture thing is that loss of, loss of innocence for for um for Priscilla and kind of loss of identity, really, um, because she became like Elvis's uh, girlfriend and then wife and everything at a very young age, formidable years that I still am like, not good, but, (laughs) but also like the, the, I guess not trade off, but like the result of that is that she wasn't able to grow as an individual into her own personality, her own, uh, her own person. And it took, uh, I presume it took leaving Elvis to find herself and everything. Um, and that's, that's really well demonstrated in the, uh, the kind of, <laughs> I wish I had, I wish I had, uh, loaded up the clip, but the, the, the office like fashion show, fashion show at lunch. Um, <laughs> the, the kind of the, the dressing up scene where oh yeah yeah like where he's like you should do this and that and everything it's like she has no individuality she has no like it is all in service of whatever elvis says and that is such an interesting uh i guess depiction of that type of one-sided relationship in that type of relationship where one person holds so much power in the dynamic that even if they are like not even if they're not conscious of the control that they're exhibiting over the person they're definitely guilty of it and it's it's something that i think is is really well demonstrated and and well realized in in the movie yeah, yeah. Uh, sadly as lovely as they're well it's com it's a complex lovely they're mm their bond and their love and their connection because it is it's it is romantic in certain ways um uh, it's not sustainable and yeah. i think you put it perfectly like his control and his mm. personality is suffocating yeah and sh- a person can only take so much but be- before they'll choose their own survival right o- over dying yep from from another person yeah and that also just brings brings to mind like bigger questions of like is someone of the of the stature of Elvis Presley is someone of that of of that just magnitude capable of having like a a 
a healthy relationship and a healthy life with someone where they can be an equal partner in a relationship and everything. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. So oh, I love that you said that because <laughs> my, I, I talked to, I, I have been talking about Elvis with the women in my life, Matt, for as long as I can remember. So mm-hmm. this is kind of amazing, but <laughs> I, to your statement would say no. Okay. I would yeah. say that no, Elvis led, he was just given everything. He was kind of just a mm-hmm. spoiled, spoiled, spoiled individual who was given fame and fortune and women and whatever he wanted. And I don't feel that, I think the idea of being like a husband and a father was entertaining to him almost like any film role would be. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel he's a rock and roller. He's a yeah. rock and roller, and they are very hard to pin down. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, not it's not impossible. I mean, we've got <laughs> a lot of rock and rollers who mm-hmm. settle down. Alice Cooper is a really beautiful candidate, and he's, <laughs> um, he's a very lovely man who's been married to the same lady for decades upon decades. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ozzy and and Sharon. You know, you've got mm-hmm. a, a lot of outliers, but. Elvis had to really want that and he didn't. I don't yeah. I because there was just too much, too many secrets, too mm-hmm. many he could have whatever he wanted and mm-hmm. I feel that he kept Priscilla in Graceland to be his little doll that he could return home to and yeah. that pleased him because that made him feel like he was making his mother happy. Mhm. The spirit of his mother would look down on him in favor and pride because Elvis was doing the right thing by having a virginal wife and a lovely home and a little daughter. Yeah. <laughs> but meanwhile, on the road, he is banging everything, Matt. Like yeah. he is screwing everyone Jeez. and everything. Right. And so I to answer your question, I I, I would say no. I think mm-hmm. that Elvis couldn't. He couldn't be a traditional husband and father. Yeah. That's uh that's a shame for yeah and i I, it's not a bad thing when you know that about yourself right it's it's just bad that priscilla and lisa marie were collateral damage yeah and i mean coming as someone who is in his own right a rock star podcaster like i know that like my (laughs) my podcast heart cannot be tamed so like i i get that i can understand it's true Um, mr three shows and And five million Patreon segments. Right. <laughs> you are um, the Elvis of podcasting. Thank Matt, you. you know thank you. That is that is the clip I'm gonna isolate and like I'm gonna get the sound wave and make it a plaque and everything. So. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I wholly support that. Um yeah. So um yeah, what else about the movie? Anything else in spoilers? Um Oh, uh, let's yeah. see. Uh, so she drives off. She just, she leaves mm-hmm. Graceland and then the film fades to black. And I think it's a really beautiful ending. It's kind of abrupt. I definitely wanted yeah. more. Mm-hmm. I, but I, it, it's a perfect note to, yeah. uh, to look at. And sadly, he would only be alive for four more years yeah. after that scene, which is kind mm-hmm. of bittersweet. Um, I want every single costume in that movie. <laughs> oh, I want to ransack the mm-hmm. costume trailer. I love everything. Apparently, they also recreated Graceland. Like they oh, wow. they, they built a full mock up of Graceland. Oh wow! Okay. So I I don't know if they were able to film because mm. I I need to get there, Matt. We need to go to Graceland <laughs> now. Like I nice. gotta make it there. 
at some point in my life. It's mm-hmm. like Mecca. We all got to go. Um, <laughs> but I don't think they were able to film in the real Graceland. So they just built okay. a full mock-up, which is amazing. I love it so nice. much. Um, I would say, yeah, I just, other than spoilers, I think that that's about it. But mm-hmm. I just encourage people to see this. Yeah. I I know it's hard if you're an Elvis fan. <laughs> I, know, I know you won't like it. But challenge yourself and remind yourself like you're looking at it from one young lady's memory. Yeah. Yep. And if you don't like it, feel free to uh, comment on my TikToks and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You need to find Obsessive Viewer on TikTok and blow him up with how much you disagree. (laughs) Um, and we're going to pretend like we're not benefiting. Right, exactly. <laughs> it is boosting my engagement, so I'm good. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, Overall, I'm just so happy you liked it, man. Yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed it. I will say I ended up rating it three stars out of five. Um, honestly, talking talking it out and everything, that could bump up to 3.5, honestly. Um just because there is a lot, a lot to this movie um, that I, it's kind of a type of movie that would kind of fly under the radar too. Like I, like, again, I am so glad that you reached out and you wanted to review this with me and everything specifically because like, like I said, kind of in my rambling intro, my self-promotion intro, like this is award season for me. Like I'm getting screeners and everything and check out Patreon, patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. But um, <laughs> like this is the type of movie that I would get a screener for. And then unless it had a, unless it had like a groundswell of support in the critics group I'm in, it probably wouldn't have been prioritized to watch. So I'm glad that I got a chance to watch this and I got a lot out of the experience. So, so thank you. Yay. Oh, I'm so glad, Matt. I am a huge Elvis fan and Mm -hmm. I'm a huge Priscilla fan. Mm -hmm. So I, I love them both. And I think that people who love Elvis, you will get something out of this Mm -hmm. film. And if not, you can go to Baz Luhrmann or you can go to other documentaries and you could put Elvis in the box you want him to stay in. Mm -hmm. That's fine. But I I think that Priscilla, for a moment in time, she was every teenage girl's fantasy in Mm. terms of what's possible. Because remember, everybody, a woman, she wants to be chosen. That's what what women want. That's what it is. So (laughs) this gal was chosen by the hottest, most powerful star on earth. And like, who could say no to that? Who? Who wouldn't completely dissolve into white wallpaper to do whatever you could to please this man mm-hmm. because he was a god? So I I love them as American royalty. Mm-hmm. And I think that Sofia Coppola did a this was a brilliant move for her, Matt. Do you mm-hmm. agree? I yeah, I think that it is. It is it is again that complexity that she brings to the table with it. It is it was something that I just I wasn't I- expecting. I I found I yeah, it was very very well done. Yeah. I'm so happy. <laughs> Thank you for letting yeah. me uh, blab your face off about of course. My, <laughs> yeah. 
about my um my preteen obsession. <laughs> yep. Um yeah, and uh yeah, that'll do it. That, that's our review of Priscilla. Um usually I end with a potpourri segment. If, I don't know if you have anything you want to throw out for potpourri, just a quick blurb of something you've watched lately or looking forward to the end of the year, anything? Um <laughs> Uh, so this is an old show and it's just popped up on Netflix, but have you ever seen this show Face Off, Matt? It was on sci-fi years and years ago. It's a creative makeup show. Oh, Um, no. Interesting. Oh my God, Matt. It's amazing. It's prosthetics. So it's like prosthetics and movie monster makeup. Interesting. if you are wanting a creative show where you see these people bust their ass, work so hard to make a creature out of nothingness, out of a clay mold, and then a latex mold, and then airbrushing and paint. It is, these people are it's off the air now, but it's mm-hmm. a couple of seasons are on Netflix. And I am the second we're done, Matt, I'm going to watch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, nice. It's inspiring. It's an inspiring show to watch, to see really brilliant artists. And if anybody hasn't seen it, nice. uh, please watch it. Cause it's just the best show ever. Nice. I will definitely keep that in mind. I like, so is it like makeup for like creature effects and stuff you you said correct yeah i forgot to preface that it is a reality show it Mm -hmm. probably started in like mid 2000s maybe late like late aughts i don't know um but it was on for 13 ish seasons and the judge the judges are incredible you have glenn hetrick who um does everything v neal who does uh the penguin makeup for batman returns like she's got a ton of oscars um there's neville page who does all of the creature concept work for alien the alien franchise so it's just brilliant creativity and people at the height of their craft and these really really awesome artists who oh my god matt they bust their ass that's all i could say i've never seen people on a reality show other than like maybe project one runway worked Mm -hmm. so so hard nice like there's so much work and yeah like for example the theme of the week will be like sea creatures or the other theme of the week will be aliens or uh vampires and so you have to make your version of Mm -hmm. that creature out of you got to sculpt it out of clay you got to make a mold you got to latex the mold you got to apply the mold with glue to a living person and then you got to paint the hell out of it and then have them present on stage and you have like two days to do it (laughs) that that's incredible that is that is absolutely incredible i like i i don't understand how uh, people can do that. I don't. I don't know how that <laughs> skill set is a thing. Like same with like drawing and everything. I just. Yes. I don't. I can't wrap my head around it. So I'll definitely check that out. Um, I, I I always recommend to my students like anytime they're feeling creative burnout or whatever. I'm like watch a reality show where people are being creative because mm-hmm. it it helps. It really. Yes kind of helps you rest a little bit Mm -hmm. and yet be inspired absolutely absolutely agree um 
Uh, for potpourri for me, I I, I think I I can talk about this. I saw Maestro, um, <laughs> which is the new. Oh. Yes, the new Bradley Cooper movie. <laughs> I saw a screening of that last night. Um, uh, it is a biopic about uh, Leonard Bernstein. Bernstein. Um. Uh oh. I okay. So <laughs> here's the thing. Uh, speaking of prosthetics, no. Um, <laughs> I heard about the nose controversy. It, it, it's not bad. It's it's really not bad. Like the overall makeup effect is really peculiar in some scenes. Uh, like it's it's kind of weird. I don't know if that's a fault of the the makeup design in the prosthetics or if it's just me not being that engaged with the movie. But um, <laughs> I I enjoyed A Star Is Born which was Bradley Cooper's directorial debut here. I like, and I don't, I think other critics will, will like it and everything, but like, I felt just a complete lack of focus in it. Um, it's weird. Like if you watch the trailer, part of it is in black and white, part of it is in color. And the first like 45 minutes are all black and white. And it's kind of presenting his relationship with, um, his, his, his music and conducting and everything and his relationship with, uh, Felicia, I can't remember her last name, uh, played by, uh, Carrie Mulligan. That whole sequence is incredible. There's some really interesting, like flourishes of the camera that Bradley Cooper uses that like, there's like long, um, sequences that are like, like I, they're really visually interesting and cool. And then about 45 minutes in, it drops that entirely. It becomes like a more traditional like biopic that spans decades. And it's like, it just, I I was so like uninterested from that point on. And it just, it felt like a misfire kind of across the board. So I didn't like it. Your mileage may vary. I'll have a Patreon thing probably next week because it's opening in, in limited release uh next week and will be on netflix in late december um but yeah i didn't i didn't care for it so yeah <laughs> copy that all right yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna have your review in mind when i watch it nice i'm very curious to hear what you think and i'm even more curious curious to see what the hardcore leonard bernstein fans come at my tiktok comments with <laughs> um yeah but one of them might be me <laughs> uh, yeah i perfectly fair um, but that'll do it for this episode of the obsessive viewer kim thank you so much for joining me and once again if you could tell people where they can find you online where they can find the year of underrated stephen king and what you've got coming down the pike uh uh on the show Oh, thank you, buddy. This was amazing. I always love chatting with you. And we've been yeah. able to do it a lot this year. We did good. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. It, like, yeah. it was awesome. The year has been awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, oh, I, I think we get on like a house on fire. Oh, He's absolutely. My, Matt's my Stephen King bestie. Everyone yes, knows this. of course. Yeah. Uh, so we've got just a few more episodes because Kim sees a little knackered. So... Mm -hmm. Um, we have Carrie coming up and it's, oh, it's going to so be so excited. Me too. Cause I'm feeling fiery. I am feeling spicy. Mm -hmm. This book is amazing. And I, I see why it's iconic. I get it. I am 
Wow. I'm really, really impressed by this little story. So my next episode will be Carrie. And then after that, in December, we have my end of the year, best of underrated King 2023. It's such a fun episode where we give away awards to all the stories, the King stuff we read this year. We have best villain, best hero, best fight scene. So it's sort of like my own little Stephen King Academy. Love Uh, it. it's so much fun. So that's oh, yeah. those are the next few episodes. For those who heard me talk about Salem's Lot, I'm so sorry. It is postponed until mm-hmm. next year. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was not. <laughs> it was not coming together. I did not want to ruin Salem's Lot. So that will mm-hmm. be in 2024. I promise. Yes. Promise. But um, anywhere you pod, yeah. Yes. Um, Spotify is a good place. Um, Apple Podcasts, we are on X, Threads, Facebook, mm-hmm. and Instagram. I probably check Instagram the most and not on TikTok. I need to get like Matt eventually. I need to get on there, <laughs> but he's the TikTok star. So make sure that you have your following obsessive viewer on TikTok. Thank you. Because um, I do like the videos. So, and I might. Nice start commenting so thank you (laughs) (laughs) so i'm definitely gonna make make some time to put more comments on the videos but that is where you can find me and i am consistently and regularly answering emails at underrated sk at gmail if you just want to write and say hi which a lot of people have been so sweet and it definitely Get, put some logs on the fire mm-hmm. when I hear from listeners. So uh, if you haven't said hello at underratedsk at gmail, please do. And don't hate me if I upset you about Beverly Marsh. <laughs> yes. I'm really sorry and I love her, okay? <laughs> don't don't come for me. <laughs> I'm uh, sensitive. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much once again, Kim, for joining me. It's been a blast, as it always is. And I'm looking forward to uh, talking to you more in 2024 and beyond and everything. So, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that will do it for this episode of The Obsessive Viewer. Um, You can find uh, us on on, uh, obsessiveviewer.com and all the social medias, Obsessive Viewer on Letterboxd at Obsessive Viewer as well. And uh, and now that I'm kind of doing this weekly experiment thing, I can say that next week's episode is going to be, uh, I'm going to be reviewing Thanksgiving and the uh, movie that is on Apple TV Plus that I know not much about, but it has Jesse Buckley. It's called Fingernails. So that's going to be the episode next week. Uh, Look forward to that. And of course, check out Patreon, patreon.com slash obsessive viewer, where I post an obscene amount of content um, of all stars and stripes. Um, So check that out, (laughs) patreon.com slash obsessive viewer, and follow the TikTok uh, at OV Podcasts and everything. I'm going to start playing us out. Kim, thank you once again uh, for joining me for this review of Priscilla. And, uh, of course, everyone listening, let us know what you thought. And, uh, and yeah, give The Year of Underrated Stephen King a listen because it is a fantastic podcast. And, uh, and we adore it here at Obsessive Viewer. So uh, <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I had to. Nice. I was like, we, we got to do it. We just got to try. <laughs> well done. Well done. <laughs> 
And now, enjoy this short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. For the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, such as early access to episodes, TV, book, and movie reviews and reaction recordings, commentary tracks, and Patreon poopery episodes, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. With like this whole attitude that like the stories just come to him and he just he he's a vessel for them um that is such a uniquely stephen king thing um and now i'm sure that he does get hung up on a lot of different things in the process of writing and everything and i'm i know that it's not just he's not just he's not just pouring out these books and then it's and then it's published and everything um but it's something that sets it apart sets him apart from other storytellers and what i think makes him such a gifted and masterful storyteller because i feel like he does things in his writing that other writers would either have to have to um work around or have to make uh, justifications for it. like things like having entire sections of a book devoted to just like the town that it's set in, and having like um, an entire chapter in Christine be about uh, a kid's experience playing football for his high school football team, um, like little like detracting things like that in basically anyone who isn't Stephen King, like they would have to justify that and. I think Stephen King gets away with it because the kind of central force of his entire like ethos or his his philosophy of storytelling is that he is painting this vivid picture of these characters and these settings and he is just exploring he's exploring the story as he's writing it and that's a skill set that I think is is absolutely what makes him worthy of being like the greatest living storyteller that we have or or whatever big platitudes you want to apply to Stephen King. Obviously, I'm biased being a massive fan of the guy, but... This podcast was edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find links to all of our shows at ObsessiveViewer.com slash podcasts. For exclusive bonus content, including reviews, commentaries, and B-roll episodes, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.